Welcome back for another episode of the Happy at Work podcast with Laura, Tessa, and Michael. Each week, we have thoughtful conversations with leaders, founders, and authors about happiness at work. Tune in each Thursday for a new conversation. Enjoy the show. So welcome to the Happy at Work podcast. We are so thrilled to have with us today, Sophie Bretag from Meta Leaders. And Sophie, welcome to the Happy at Work podcast. Thank you so much for having me. This is so exciting to even make it happen on the other side of the world too. Exactly. I know. I think we're probably 12, maybe 14 hours apart. Um, I think mm. that's about it, but mm. yeah. uh, it's yeah. wonderful. To, it's wonderful to have you with us. So tell us a bit more about your work at Meta Leaders and also how did you get into this kind of work around well-being? So my work is a little bit varied, but mainly I am a kindness consultant, so workplace kindness consultant. So within that, I help businesses, workplaces, organizations, and individuals become more mentally healthy through the power of kindness. Um, so yeah, so that's my core business. And the way that I got into this work was really through working, uh, in aged care. So I was in aged care for about seven and a half years. So my background is human resources. And within that role, I ended up seeing a lot of leaders, uh, not putting themselves first not having uh, a very clear understanding of how to take care of themselves, but then also not realising that by not taking care of themselves, they then let the rest of their teams um, not be as well as they possibly could or as productive as they possibly could. And so really through that, and I saw so many people in the caring industry, so people, caring people taking care of vulnerable people and me being almost the go-to point for that, I would have, you know, people would joke, oh, you need a ticket machine outside your door um, because, you know, everybody wants to come and have a chat and they want a little bit of kindness in their day. And uh, I didn't really understand, I guess, until I sat back and had a think about the way that I was interacting with people, um, the difference that kindness can make in people's lives, but particularly in workplaces as well. I think there's just not enough of it. So, yeah. Sophie, I, I really like the angle that you're you're taking with kindness. And I know that you discuss a lot about that on your blog and on your website. And I'm curious, why do you think that kindness matters in the workplace? And is it something that can be taught, especially to the stubborn people who are like, oh, that's just tree huggy? What do you think? <laughs> Yeah, you know, it's so funny because people often think kindness is this airy, fairy, fluffy, you know, if you smile at people, then everything that'll fix the world. And so I'm under no illusion that it's not, you know, not the rose tinted glasses. You you certainly have to differentiate between uh, being nice and being kind. And so for me, the two of those are not interchangeable at all so um, when I talk about uh, kindness and whether it can be taught to people it absolutely can because there are core pillars or core attributes within leaders who are kinder leaders or who lead kindly or lead from the heart they're actually core pillars of behaviors that people can learn and be taken on a journey and a process to become more in touch with uh, with those 
I suppose, attributes, but they certainly are learnable. If you are open to learning, I suppose, that's also a key point. You know, you have to be uh, willing to have an open mind and be curious about, um, about trying something new, perhaps. So, you know, it's interesting you talk about the kind of the core pillars. So just as a quick follow-up to that, especially in this time of the pandemic and, you know, the economy's up and down and there's so many geopolitical things happening in the world. What, first of all, what are, what are some of those kind of core pillars of kindness? And then also, you know, what are um, some of the more exciting things that you're doing right now in your work that, that people can think about or tap into? Mm. Um, so some of the core pillars include being uh, authentic. So the ability to show up as you are, but also accepting people as they are. So I think that's a really important part of it. Um, being able to be humble. So the ability to still show up, uh, ask questions and not be right all the time. I think that's super important. Uh, being able to set boundaries. And a lot of leaders don't set boundaries around their own time, both, per- both personally and professionally, you know, whether you set an email reminder or whether you're accessible 24 hours a day, that will lead to um, no self-kindness. So I talk a lot about self-kindness as well um, because I think we often think about kindness to others, but we often don't think about how we can be kinder um, to ourselves. And so um, I think for me the most exciting part, and there obviously are more bits and pieces to being a kind leader, but, um, you know, if people want to find out more than than happy for... um, someone to contact me if they if they want some more info but um the exciting part is really getting to work with people and seeing the change from and the change from not understanding really what kindness is um in a leadership position to then going having this aha moment and going oh my goodness I probably have been doing part of this but I haven't been completing the loop and actually closing off the you know I might be empathetic on one day but I might be showing up um, with a lack of boundaries on another day. And so if you're not consistent in the way that you're showing up and you're not consistent in um, your openness to being there for people but also for yourself, um, that's where the mismatch can happen. And um, so the most exciting bit is seeing the growth in people, really. That's, that's you know, being able to change um workplaces and seeing people turn up and be happier and be excited to be at work and um, I really love what they're doing and feel valued um, and seen and and heard so yeah that's probably the most exciting thing that sounds great I'm curious when you (laughs) you do go into an organization uh, what's a positive intervention that you've seen really work for individuals and groups in real time Mm, uh, values so getting clear on your values as a leader and as a human, so probably as a human first, to be honest, because if you're working in a company where your values don't align with the company's values, um, or if the values of the company are not clear, or you're not clear on your values, then you're not going to feel like what you're doing at work is aligning with who you are at a core level. So getting very clear on your values, that's super, super important. And then boundaries. So I talk about boundaries, I bang on about it all the time, but um, boundaries for um, energy protection so protecting your own energy levels uh, being kind to yourself within boundaries but also um, not saying yes to everybody 
So I think when you're in a workplace and in a position of leadership, it's super, we, we have that discussion around having an open door policy. And uh, I probably challenge the status quo a little bit on that because I don't believe that you can have a full open door policy or you'd literally get no work done in particular jobs. So having that boundary around, I'm going to time block, you know, having a boundary around time blocking, right? My door is open between 8 and 11 every morning or, you know, 12 and 3 on another day. You can access me as much as you want through that time. At other times, I will have my door closed and I'll be doing my own work and getting on with my own work because that can lead to... Um, really high stress levels if people don't boundary their time and people's access to them so they're probably the two really most important things to be honest that have worked that work really well excellent and you know I can already tell Sophie that you're a kind person yourself so obviously this is in alignment with your values and your own personal mm. philosophy so how have you really woven in like what are some of your own personal experiences that you've had around kindness that you've woven into your work and then you know, how do you, you know, how are you kind to yourself? What are some of the things that you do to take care of yourself? Um, so taking care of my own mental health. So I'm, um, I'm very, very, very excited about being um, a national mental health ambassador. And uh, mental health for me is exceptionally important. So I have high functioning anxiety. And also my husband is a police officer. So he has had at times, um, you know, struggles with his own mental health, you know, dealing with trauma and the shift work. So for us, meditation has been a huge game changer for us because, um, uh, you know, just having that space to breathe and the space to actually sit and be doing nothing. We often don't, you know, we can pick up our phone and we're scrolling on our phone. It's just, you know, we don't have time to take care of ourselves, but we actually do. It's about reprioritizing that time and what we, you know, what we're giving to ourselves. So meditation's been huge. Um, so much so I became a meditation teacher. I love it so much. Um, and uh, for me, I guess, connecting with nature is really important. So I bring nature into my office. Um, when I'm at work, so I'm surrounded by plants. I have fresh air coming in and out of the office. Um, so, yeah, for me, I guess it's really about taking care of me first and not feeling guilty about that and then making sure that I put that out into the world um, as well. So, yeah. Well, I, I, I want to just follow up quickly on that because I love, you know, when you talk about meditation and also bringing nature, I think there's a lot of research and data around just spending some time in nature um, really, you know, kind of calms your physiology, right? It lowers your blood pressure, lowers your heart rate, it increases your yeah. oxygen. Um, so how do you work with companies to really operationalize that? Like, how can you, cause you, you mentioned that you kind of bring a kindness into the culture of organizations. So how do, how do companies start to think about, I mean, do they just make time for meditation? Do they offer classes or how can they operationalize those values and, and create a culture of kindness within the, the company? Yeah. And I love that question because I get, so, look at me, I get so excited talking about this. So it's going to be hard to just kind of narrow me down on this, but um, 
really if you there are multiple ways that you can actually incorporate this into a workplace and I think um, it really starts from uh, role modeling it so if the leadership team is on board um, then they will then start to filter that down through their team so an easy way to bring something like meditation in or even some small breathing exercises um, which are all proven to actually you know, lower our energy, as you said, reduce our stress levels, help us become more connected with ourselves. I actually do forest bathing as well. So it's um, something that corporates are now starting to actually take on board for uh, well, well-being. Um, so getting out in nature, spending time, um, really embracing and, uh, well, bathing in nature and, uh, and bringing that beautiful calmness into their life. So, you know, corporates will be doing um, a corporate workshop that will be outside. Uh, for instance, if I do a, um, a kindness workshop, I will often get people to do mindful walking and it will be outside or I'll bring some um, nature into the workplace if it's a really, uh, I suppose, dry, cold, not very welcoming office, then I'll often bring in um, plants and uh, or I'll often bring things into the actual workshop um, that people can then it's more sensory so sometimes I'll bring essential oils in sometimes I'll bring um, you know things that they can touch and feel some flowers some plants and it sounds very um, unusual but for me it's about bridging um, almost the the spiritual, natural world in with the corporate and showing that those two things, we're, we're whole humans and we are part of an ecosystem and uh, why when we go into an office should we have to be separate from that? So it really starts with the leadership team and if you can get them on board, then you can start rolling out, um, you know, initiatives and and um, even bringing in, you know, well, I know there's a lot of wellbeing policies being brought in now and frameworks. So, yeah, yeah, it's a process though. It's a process. Uh, Sophia, I think you're you have a business that's uh, doing the right thing at the right time, and I, I'm curious to hear about some success stories. Are there any outcomes that you've seen for organizations who invested in your work and things got better? Something measurable, perhaps. Mm, mm, definitely. So kindness um, has been proven. So kind leadership. So bringing more of those. Um, uh, I suppose what used to be called soft skills, but I call them more of a, it's more of a superpower. Kindness is a superpower and a very underrated one, I think. Um, so increased um, increased productivity. You've got uh, higher engagement in your employees. Uh, you've got uh, less attrition and turnover, less presenteeism, um, absenteeism. And really at the end of the day, when you're increasing productivity, you're increasing uh, and you're increasing engagement, you've got happier staff. And then you've got happier customers. So at the end of the day, when your business is, if it's a customer service-based industry, or even if it's when you're just um, creating a product, your employees are not just, I was listening to one of your other podcasts actually just before, and it, it was talking about how, um, you know, human, the humanness of our human resource. And, um, and I really loved that because I think that we have often lost the, lost touch with humans being whole humans within workplaces and so if we can invest in our people and support our people they're going to feel more because they're the same people that they are at home so why would we treat them any differently to somebody that we would um, you know interact with on the street or or that we would go to a service industry and, and speak to kindly why would it be any different to working in that workplace and and not supporting our staff so I truly believe and I've seen 
definitely um, increases in productivity and output from happier, more engaged staff. So it is, you know, the return on investment, I think it's a bit of a no-brainer really um, because who doesn't want to be happier at work? Let's be honest. It's true. You spend so much time there. Uh, my next yeah. question is going to be on the the unengaged employee. In my experience, I've I've found that the unengaged or actively disengaged employees will drag mm -hmm. down the engaged one. The engaged ones mm -hmm. don't drag up the the disengaged. And I'm curious, how do you handle the people who are in your workshops who are in the back row? doing the eye roll, snarky comments to the neighbors. And so how do you handle that? That's one. And the, the second one is what impact does the kindness have? Do these people drag the kind ones down or the kind ones drag the uh, the hesitant ones up? What's What have you seen? I think it's a balance. So you're not going to be happy all the time. You're not going to be kind all the time. You're not going to be, you know, rainbows and sunshine and sparkles every day you come into work <laughs> well maybe I am a little bit um but you know if that's because I love what I do but if you um if you're aware and I have had people like that to be honest but if you're aware that people can behave in that way it's almost about supporting the ones who are on board with it and creating that that, as um, Tess was saying, the culture of kindness because kindness is contagious. And so there's only so much time that really negative Nancys can be around um, people who are super positive and they'll either jump off the train and self-select out. You know, if this is the new normal that's being brought into a workplace, it's like any kind of expectation, any kind of um, new initiative that's being brought in. There will be people who go, that's not going to work. We haven't done this before. I don't like that. This makes me feel really uncomfortable. And I was really happy being miserable. So why would I want to be happy? And so it really, it really pushes some people's buttons. And I push people's some people's buttons as well because I am so exuberant. And so for me, I just keep doing me and I tell the leaders within the businesses, keep, keep persisting because it's almost, it has to be a daily practice of showing up, being committed to it. And then those who are not on board, they will they will usually self-select out because they're not going to feel comfortable in that kind of workplace culture. So you usually find those ones will leave or if they don't leave, they usually will come on board enough to kind of get on board and be working and doing the work. So it's not a massive issue. And if it is, they usually, they usually don't stay, to be honest. <laughs> I, I have a follow-up to that because, you know, Intellectually, Sophie, I like I am on board and I have done empathy work. I, you know, I have a yoga certification. I'm working on my meditation certification, yeah. teacher certification. Um, I try to meditate, but I I too find that it's just it, the daily practice, it's just hard <laughs> to, to be persistent um and not to just feel like oh gosh, I have an extra 20 minutes, you know, I should answer those 12 emails that are sitting in my inbox, or I have a little extra time. So, oh gosh, I, I should be working on that project versus I should be meditating or taking care of myself. I am totally guilty of not practicing as often as I should in order to really reap the benefits. So what are, um, I don't know, what are some tips that you would have for people like me who get it? who believe it, who, who are bought into it, but still, you know, have that, um, 
I don't know. It's just, it's, it's like the prioritization or the, or the practicing part is really hard to, to prioritize. So any tips that you would have for people like me? Yeah, actually schedule it. So yeah. So for me, that's been really a a bit of a game changer, to be honest. So I actually have, so there's a couple of really good uh, meditation apps. You're probably already aware of them. So Calm app um, and also Insight Timer. So Insight Timer app is the number one free app for stress, anxiety, um, and sleep in the world. So it's like, I don't know, 21 million subscribers or something. And there's so many things on there. So what I actually do is I schedule it. So every morning I will um, have a meditation that I listen to and it's literally five minutes. So I turn on my phone. It has um, the meditation ready to go. And then I do the same thing at bedtime. And then if I have time through the day, I will do an ad hoc meditation perhaps, or I might not. And I'm not perfect either. Like I'm absolutely not perfect. I come on here and I talk about this and I, you know, there are days where I get completely overwhelmed. And then I realize that I haven't perhaps been kind to myself by prioritizing me. And so really scheduling is probably the number one way to actually, you know, it's like sending yourself an email to go, hey, Tessa, you haven't meditated today. Do it now. Mm-hmm. And I found that to be the simplest way because we're so scheduled, we're so in our calendars that why wouldn't we schedule some time for ourselves? And it sounds really simple, but it's actually a really easy way to um, to prioritise yourself. And that's the same with anything, you know, schedule a bath run a bath for yourself how often do we take a bath and we're not bathing our kids you know my kids get a bath and I go oh I've got the dirty dregs of you know two small humans after they've had a bath but you know it's but it's you know it's about just giving yourself a time block of time even if it's five minutes in the morning and five minutes in the evening and you will find that um, in a workplace it's exactly the same so before you go into a meeting or before I go into a meeting I'll do say four or five rounds of box breathing and that will then ground my energy. And then I go into that meeting feeling a lot calmer. Like I even did that before coming on tonight. I'm a little bit nervous. So I just did a bit of breathing. But, you know, it's just about scheduling that and being aware that, you know, when your cup is a little bit empty, you need um, you need it. Sophie, I love this. And I've been meditating for years, but it's sort of like the guy that has the gym membership but only shows up <laughs> once a month. So I, I'm, I'm that person. I have found... And I'm really surprised that even a 30 second meditation can be helpful. So this, I find that if I say, oh, it's going to be 20 minutes, that's too much that I won't do it at all. So making it really small is is actually helpful. And and on that theme, for people that that don't have the ability to to experience your your workshop because they they haven't seen it yet, uh, what could someone do on their own? Uh, in their own organization any is there like one thing that people could easily do just to kind of try out the kindness angle yeah um well there's probably a couple of things so I would say firstly bring the outside inside Mm -hmm. so open up some windows in the office get the fresh air flowing so often we're in um you know, an office with no fresh air. So if you can open up the windows, I think that's a really um, good way to keep people's energy levels up and bring some plants, fresh, real plants in, Um, not just the plastic ones. Um, So yeah, bringing bringing out the outside inside, I think is a really good way. Um, And then really one of the easiest and simplest things that made a massive difference to me and my leadership um, work has been to actually go 
where as soon as I get in the office, instead of instead of logging onto my computer, I will do a walk around the office and say good morning and touch base with people. And so with that brings trust, it brings connection, it brings um, understanding and people feeling like they're valued. And that's a really easy way to just stay connected with your teams or even online, do a quick online if you're remote. Excellent. That's, um, it's interesting that you, you bring that up because, um, Michael, Laura, Ariel, and myself, who are the happy at work team, uh, podcast team, we've gotten into the, the practice of actually doing a check-in before every week when we have our meetings, we, we do a check-in with each other because it's okay. Let's first connect as humans before, (laughs) before we move right into the work, because I think people have a tendency to jump right into the work and not even acknowledge each other's presence, even on, in an online environment. So I think that's so important. Sophie, this was an amazing conversation. Thank you so much um, for your time. Thank you for being with us. I know it's evening and um, you mentioned you had kids. So I know that this is time away from your family, but we are so appreciative of this conversation and um, just thrilled that you were able to join us. So thank you so much. Thank you, Sophie. Oh, it's just been lovely. Thanks, Michael and Tessa. My absolute pleasure. And, you know, if we can be happier at work, then why wouldn't we be talking about it all the time? I think it's a great... We hope you've enjoyed this episode. If you'd like to hear future episodes, be sure to subscribe to the Happy at Work podcast and leave us a review with your thoughts. Are you interested in speaking on a future episode or want to collaborate with us? Let us know. You can send us an email at admin at happyatworkpodcast.com. And lastly, follow us on LinkedIn or Twitter for even more happiness. See you soon.